Good morning. Um, my name is not Bernard Woods. Um, I'm going to have to have this joke a few times throughout the day. What I typically do, my name is Greg Wilhelm, by the way. I'm the executive director of CityLit Project. So thanks for coming out to the 12th Annual CityLit Festival. Um, and it's always been, what I think, a pretty brilliant stroke of strategy to line up our programs throughout the festival to be hosted by media people who, throughout the course of their media time leading up to the event, be it radio or print or web, they'll promote the will promote the event itself, which many of them have. But today, they're all covering something else. <laughs> something, frankly, much more important. I have to say that, and, you know, we were here last night and it was really quiet. I can't imagine anything else is going on. Well, we, um, culturally, there isn't. <laughs> um, as many of you know, there are other events in town this weekend that have gotten uh, canceled, postponed, and, 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 and for just cause, these are outside events that people come to from various parts in their car, and um, given the, the uh, good news from yesterday, which I hope is the beginning of some sort of meaningful discussion and resolution to uh, not only the problems that Baltimore faces, but problems that urban America faces, um, um, it, uh, we're just honored that the Pratt is, is open. Um, uh, I think it's the right thing. Um, we're the only cultural show in town right now. I think it's important, as I said downstairs, uh, we're going to have an important voice in the conversation that is to come. And there's going to be a lot of conversation to come. Yesterday was just a brief start of hopefully meaningful and thoughtful discussion. Um, but I truly believe it's going to be the arts and cultural community that, um, because not only do we care about this city, but we care about the people we serve, and we tend to be very diverse and inclusive in our work. Um, so, uh, that said, uh, I am uh, going to do my best to fill um, Bayard Woods' shoes. Um, he is a uh, reporter and uh, editor of the city paper, and he is busy covering what uh, sounds like to be an important and impressive gathering uh, near City Hall today. Um, Quite organically, the whole nature of this year's festival took on a musical theme. Um, so we kind of ran with that a little bit. And uh, this panel is about rock and the written word. Each of our panelists are uh, writers of various genres, which I think is interesting, and we'll get to that. Uh, but they're also musicians. Um, so allow me to introduce to my immediate right, Jerry Lefemina. Jerry and I are pals from long, uh, for a long time now. And uh, I, I like Jerry's website. You go to his website, and the first thing that you're greeted with is uh, his sort of tagline. He's a poet, professor, and punk rocker. Say no more. He's also a graduate of Sarah Lawrence. You guys, MFA from Western Michigan University. He's the author of 11 books of poetry and prose, including Vanishing Horizon, Notes for the Novice Ventriloquist and Little Heretic. His novel, Clamor, uh, he'll be talking about that today in another program. Um, and he also is the director of the Center for Creative Writing at Frostburg State University. When he's not writing and teaching students how to write better, um, this New York native has fronted bands such as Expl Expletive Deleted and Tom Collins and the Cocktail Shakers. 
The Jerry's right is Jason Tinney. He's an award-winning fiction writer, musician, freelance journalist, and actor. Um, his books include uh, Louise Paris and other waltzes, Bluebird, and most recently, the just-published collection of short stories, Ripple Meets the Deep. Jason has pre previously performed in bands such as the Donegal Express, the Wayfarers, and he now makes music as part of a duo called Limestone Connection. And lastly, all the way from Berkeley, California, Frank Portman, who some of you may know better as Dr. Frank. He is a singer, guitarist, and songwriter for the California-based punk rock band, The Mr. T Experience. That band has released 10 studio albums and five EPs, and then there's uh, Frank's own solo work, so he's very prolific as well. But relatively recently, in the last five, six years or so, I guess, he's turned to novel writing. And uh, he uh, writes uh, uh, specifically young adult novels, um, including King Dork, Andromeda Klein, and then the follow-up to King Dork, King Dork Approximately. So it's very interesting. We have a poet, a short story writer, and a young adult novelist. Join me in welcoming these three punk rockers and writers. I want you each to answer the following question. When you, I, it's, it's obvious that those who wait for the muse to talk to them will never produce work. So you sit down and do the hard work. But when you sit down, can you each sort of explain, am I going to write a song now? Am I going to write a poem now? Am I going to tinker with prose or journalism? So how do you discern in any moment of creative endeavor uh, what you're going to do? I have no discernment whatsoever. <laughs> oh, oh, I, 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 I can flesh that out a little bit for us, Jerry. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, when I'm going to write a poem, I'm going to write a poem. It reveals itself, the genre reveals itself right away. So, um, when, when, I, when I started to write, uh, when, I, when I'm working on a poem, usually it's something reveals itself in, uh, in an image and a snippet of language, and it, it declares itself a poem. It says, I'm a fucking poem. Um, usually, I, 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 songwriting starts with a guitar in my hand or a guitar in somebody else's hand. Um, it, it never starts the idea that I'm, I'm going to write a song. Usually, I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of going through, I'm just practicing. And I start playing around with, with chord progressions. And somewhere along the way, those chord progressions sort of hit a melody. And then the melody finds words. Um, the chord progression produces a mood. Uh, I started the novel. Novels and short stories for me start with character. If I don't have a character, I have nothing. Um, I don't believe in the idea of an idea. So I, I, I tell my students, if they say I have an idea for a poem, I say, well, when you have images for a poem, talk to me. If they say I have an idea for a story, I say, when you have characters for a story, talk to me. So um, fiction starts with characters. Uh, poetry starts with image and language. And you Songs start with, with music, actually. Jay? I would like to say that I go to church regularly. It's, this feels like the scene from the right stuff when like all the all the the Mercury people are up there and, uh, and I'm Scott Glenn. This is uh, the Mercurial people yeah, rather than the Mercury uh, people. No, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't can, can you hear me all right? I mean, I, I got the wrong one. Um, 
I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't dis Thanks, Jared. Um, I don't discern, um, you know, I, I'll share my microphone with you. We'll, we'll do, we'll do it. <laughs> um, no, I don't, um, actually, I don't, um, I, I, I try not to separate them all because, um, you know, I've written short stories that have actually become songs. I've written a play that's based off of a song uh, with, with with somebody else, with a with a co-writer, um, and I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't separate. I do agree with Jerry that like that anything really is uh, for me with any of the writing starts with a character, and I do agree with Jerry that about the, um, you know, with poetry and songs um, and lyrics, uh, there there is that image and feel that's a little bit different, but. Um, with the with with the short story writing, uh, and, or if I'm approaching a novel, uh, it's character. Um, but uh, I, I kind of I, I find the exciting part about the writing process is like ah oh, well all right so so I have this short story that could be made into a play. Uh, or a song that could be made into a play, or a song that could be made into a short story. And um, um, I, 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 one of my favorite singer-songwriters is Steve Earle, and he um, he has a song called Bruce. It's called Tawny Town. It's not Teeny Town. Um, up there in northern, uh, up there in the northern part of uh, Carroll County. But he wrote the song, he calls it Teeny Town, too. But uh, he wrote a song called Tawny Town, and, um, and, then, and then he put out a collection of short stories, and, and then he based that short story off of the song he wrote. So I, I, I love the way that all the, all the forms can <clears throat> rotate together, and I think that's one of the nice things about you know, this whole concept of, 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 of you know, so I mean, they all piggyback, and, I, and and Jerry knows this. Jerry and I have talked about this before. They all have piggyback off of each other. Whether it be um, writing a short story, whether you're you're whether you're um, uh, writing a poem, whether you're writing a song, whether you're a dancer, and it's silent. I mean, it's all the concept of telling a story one way or another. And I think that that's the important part, and that's why. You know, it's all very nice collective for me and and um, uh, I, I, I attend church regularly. <laughs> well, now, uh, so a, a question that is always asked of songwriters is what comes first, the music or the lyrics? And the great American songwriter Sammy Kahn's answer to that, supposedly, at least according to the legend, is what comes first, the music or the lyrics, and his answer was the advance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think, um, I don't understand people, anyone who could possibly write um, a novel without prospect of being paid for because it is the most horrible experience that uh, I've ever had as a 
as a human living on this planet. <laughs> writing, and, and I don't trust people who will, who will, who will you know, sometimes you go to these writers' conferences and people are all gung-ho about writing, I love writing, I get up in the morning so excited about writing. It's not like that never happens. There's times when you are, you're involved in, the, in it so much that you've got delusions of grandeur and you think you're working on the greatest thing in the world that is going to finally make it all work for you. And that is de delusional, but it's kind of fun. But mostly, it's just like, it's, it's terrible. And um, so I, you have a contract that you're late on, and if you don't just get it together, you're gonna have to give the advance back. So that is the main reason that novels are written, I think. Uh, songs are more, um, uh, more of a, I mean, you, you, I don't think you think this, any given song is going to be your ticket to uh, Easy Street, although when you're in that delusional mode, maybe you do this is the one. This is the one that's going to make me famous. If you can't, if you don't get in that mode, then maybe you don't do as, as many things. But the thing about songs, song, playing the guitar, playing rock and roll, uh, coming up with a, with a tune and, and, you know, melding into a song, uh, it is fun, but then the part where you go out afterwards, after you're out of the delusional stage, and you have to look at it, like how would somebody else look at this and be able to understand it, then it comes to the same unpleasantness that writing a novel, and a very, and the, I mean, a novel's long, it takes a longer time, but uh, it's still very unpleasant. To take a song that's basically 90% okay, but the 10% that's not okay with it is what makes it suck and you can't actually show it to anyone. And that can take years and years and years to get that 10% that on a stupid little song that no one's probably going to hear anyway. So, uh, um, but the thing is that uh, as cynically as you want to look at it, and I always take the cynical view whenever it's possible, um, there's still something of value in that delusional state, and when people say they're waiting for, for, for uh, inspiration, they're waiting for it to strike, some songwriters will say, oh, this song visited me in the night, and I was so grateful for it, and I honed it and nurtured it until and, 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 it hatched into a beautiful song. And, and you, you think that way, uh, and it's a means to an end, and then you're, you, if, you're a, if you're a relatively decent person, you're horribly embarrassed about the fact that you thought those things and said those things, but the result is that you got this product at the end of that weird, stupid, and horrible process, horrible, you know, uh, chain of events. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's the best I can do. Well, you, uh, yeah, that, that I answers the question. know how you got an advance. <laughs> I thought you launched, Jason. Um, but I think one of the issues you were flirting with, Frank, is, is, is maybe energy. And let's like, think about that a little bit. I mean, can you imagine if, if like, the Ramones wrote Crime and Punishment? I mean, the book would be that thin, right? So, I think it would be harder so, to, to, do, to do that. I mean, does the moon have to be in a certain um, horizon for you to say, I've got the energy that I'm going to like, be... Well, maybe it's also, maybe not so much the creation of the product that you just mentioned, but the... Uh, um, the sharing of that product. I mean, reading, reading, you know, getting psyched up to read your work versus getting psyched up to play a set of music. I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about that process of that kind of playing. Playing songs is uh, is way more, uh, you know, uh, way more going on, way more satisfying than just 
reading something aloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, a little reading goes a long way. But if you've got a good, if you've got songs that are interesting, then you know, people will sit through a lot more of that, and for, for good reason. But yeah, if, if you've got, a, if you got, the, say, energy or spirit or whatever it is, and then the challenge is putting it in a form that is going to be uh, understandable and it's going to appeal to people when you're not even there. And that is really, you know, there, when, you, when people can do that and do it really where it is a, a smash hit, a grand slam, that is like a, this magical thing. And you try to veer as close to it as you can, but it's like there's kind of, uh, you can't cultivate it with any kind of precision. Um, but it's important to have that. In that enthusiasm, literally, uh, um, or else, uh, or else you don't have anything to communicate. But then, often when you try to, like when you try to capture it, it doesn't you know, capture the bird, and then it can no longer fly free. And so then, the, the people you tell about the bird will say, like, so what? So you you need uh, you need two things. You need the you need the, the inspiration, and then you need some kind of skill. Uh, or uh, technique to make it work so that it, at it as an artifact, it still uh, communicates some of that, and then you just need a whole lot of luck. Um, and uh, so that's three things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I think, I think that anybody that wants to be a writer, um, and, and, and the one great thing about songwriter, and I think that uh, both of these gentlemen would agree, is people who write short stories, people who write poems, people who write novels could learn a lot from lyricists in terms of, I, I, I think the, the economy is important. Um, and, and keeping that shaping, like, like you know, we, you know uh, newspaper writers, you know, we have to be very calm. We have we have to have a lot of economy because you have to do the who, what, when, and where, and all that nonsense. But but with the songwriter, you have to you know um, you know you know going to, to Bob Dylan. I mean I mean he gets away with a lot of stuff in terms of like writing like like short stories. But it, but some of his best songs and, and arguably one of the greatest songwriters um, lyrically. In some of his best songs are the really short things. Willie Nelson, my God, he can write a short story in three verses, and you're, and I mean, it helps that he's Willie Nelson and everything like that, but, but that short story, that, that economy, that I think that, is, that, uh, that, that you know, that Frank touched on a little bit, and I think Jerry can touch on as well, is, is, is a beautiful art form in terms of telling a short story in three verses. And um, that's one of the things that I love about that I love about the whole writing process. And you know, it, you know, I mean, rhyme or no rhyme, I don't care about that. But but to tell this short story, like Willie Nelson can tell this beautiful sad song about this breakup and like. Out. I don't do that, Jerry. So three, 
times four is twelve. In twelve lines, Willie Nelson can tell you this beautiful, heartbreaking short story that anybody who wrote a thousand page novel is not going to tell you the same story. And it's like that's why, and maybe that's why people gravitate to Willie Nelson. Other than war and peace, I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm anti-social as it's possible to be, and so I don't. A lot of writers have will be in these writers groups, either unofficially or affiliated with an institution. I meet a lot of people. I know a lot of people who do these, and uh, they, one of the things that they will often say when they talk to me this is my only window into what a writers group is like. Um, they'll always talk about how they hate that ed editing is terrible. It's like a, it's this big way on the show. But I actually really like that part. That's not the hard part. The hard part is with you wondering whether you're going to be able to finish the damn thing. But once you're finished, the editing is really great. And there's a, there's a real joy to being able to cross sentences out and cross words out and cross paragraphs out and condense things and make sure that this certain thing does three things at once rather than having three separate things that would make the reader turn three different pages to get the one day. But that's all great. And when I say that, I have often got those, oh, you're one of those songwriter writers. <laughs> so I guess it's a thing. I mean, I, I can see why I can see why you would say that. But I, when it's the same, it is as uh, as he was saying it, there's, there's a thing where you've got the endless possibilities of whatever words and, and uh, et cetera that you can pack into a song that's going to be two and a half minutes long. Um, and uh, you need to narrow it down and cross out all the stuff that you don't want to be in there. And that, that is what a good songwriter does. That's maybe the one thing I could definitely say I learned from songwriting that applies to fiction if, you, if you're really diligent about it, um, it helps more than you know, that, that I mean, you have to have some discipline, but that cliche that they say, you know, kill your darlings. Um, the thing is, I would say about kill your darlings, which is very true, but I think don't kill your darlings. Save your darlings in a file, and then use them for the sequel, because eventually you're going to run out of darlings. I think if you kill your darlings, you should not bury them in your backyard. Um, uh, I have so many things to respond to there. Uh, yeah, no, editing is where the work is. Writing a first draft is easy. Um, I remember Stu Dybeck talking to a class of mine once and telling students that, you know, if, we, if, if they were sculptors, they would order, you know, a two-ton block of marble and it would show up from the quarry. And that when you're a writer, your first job is to build the two-ton block of marble. And that's what you're doing. And then everything else is chipping away uh, and chipping away and chipping away. Um, I love, for me, editing is, is where the work is. And I love that work. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, you know, I, I'm keenly aware that when I'm trying to write a song, I'm keenly aware of this. I want everybody in the audience when we perform that song to be able to sing along. By the time that second chorus comes, I want people to sing along, period, end. So, so that, and, and John Updike has this great essay called Standards, in which he talks about standards, uh, songs, American standards. And that the goal of a standard is to both seem simultaneously new and familiar. Um, and that, so when I'm writing a song, I am deliberately thinking that way. Like once I'm editing the song, I'm thinking, 
how how is how is the young woman there going to sing along by the time we get to the second chorus? Or how are these two going to sing along? And um, when I'm writing a poem, I, I come from a modernist tradition, so I'm keeping it new. So so immediately the energy of the text is is at odds with each other in those different in, with those different hats. Um, so and and when I'm when I'm when I'm you know, the funny thing about writing a novel in which, and, 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 and short stories in which I have songwriters appear, is to actually write the songs that appear in the novel. I don't know, Frank, if you've done that. I, but I actually, I can sing all the songs that appear in this novel. Um, and I can play them poorly on guitar. Um, but, um, and I, I think that that's like, you know, so, so the energies are, are inherently different because their goals are inherently different. I remember hearing an interview with David Bowie once on NPR, and it struck me, the first thing that struck me was weird, it was like, wow, we did an age when David Bowie would be interviewed on NPR. Um, but then, um, you know, but, but, but I think it was Nina Totenberg said something about like the poetry of his lyrics, and he said, stop right there. He said, poets only rely on the words. He said, when people are listening to my songs, the words don't have to do as much because there's music and a melody and a, a beat and people are you know, simultaneously paying attention to about eight other stimuli. And so that um, I'm keenly aware that if somebody looked at you know, the song lyrics to, to, to uh, a recent song of mine, something like you know, "Come Ride with Me in My MGB," uh, you know, which is which is trying to be. I actually wrote this song so that it would be played in the musical interlude of Car Talk. Um, that was my goal. Um, but it, you know, it's it's playing off it. It's it's kind of trying to be the Ramones meet the Beach Boys, and 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 I mean, it, it, you know, it's deliberately living in that tradition of of both of those traditions, and. Um, which is very different than the tradition when I'm trying to write a poem, uh, and very different from the tradition that. So I think the other thing is to think about the tradition in which you're working in. We um, sort of touching on my next question, Jerry. So I'll allow you to answer this first. A little bit, talk a little bit about how music manifests itself in your in your in your poetry or prose writing. You just mentioned writing songs and knowing songs that the, uh, the, the, the your, your protagonist um you know uh, my new my, my the novel I, I recently finished is, is about a painter and um, the things I love show up in the, the work I love you know so um, I, I have a record collection of 3,000 albums it's, it's music has been part of my life uh, longer than than literature. Uh, my mother, my mother used to drop me off to the Brooklyn Public Library starting at the age of three because there was no like daycares in the neighborhood we grew up in. So, um, so like, but music predates that. Music predates that. Um, you know, we live in a culture in which in which we all can say what our favorite songs were. We can all sing along with them. So music can't help but appear, just like art can't help but appear, just like my son can't help but appear, or, or my, uh, you know, uh, my last significant other. I mean, these are just, your obsessions are your obsessions, and they show up in your work. Um, and, and I think that's how it should be. So, I, I, don't, I mean, when I, when I wrote Clamor, I was deliberately, one of the characters was this punk musician. So, um, 
I was already sort of saying, he's going to have songs, he's going to have a band, he's going to have songs, and therefore, uh, you know, and I was keeping, you know, the steadfast note, what are the names of the CDs, what is the set list on each of their CDs, and then as I was doing that, I would go, oh, you know, this would be a good song, what would this song, what would a song called Queen of the Subways be like, because I like that title. Um, Oh, okay, then, then how would it go? And then I needed it. At a certain point, I needed the song. And so you start, you start having the sensibility for me, for writing a novel, it was, you know, it's kind of like having all these jigsaw puzzle pieces and you're slowly putting them together. Um, but, you know, I have a story called Cecil County about a, about a guy who's a, a, a sort of country singer who named himself after Cecil County, and that, of course, is an homage to Wayne slash Jane County, uh, Wayne County and the electric chairs who, who named himself, but then herself, after Wayne County in Michigan, um, which is where Detroit is. But this whole idea of sort of naming themselves after County, so, so I was already working with, and he's a, he's a kind of, he's a kind of, and I wanted him to be this kind of poor man's country version of Bruce Springsteen, trying to write about like the, the, the failings of, of uh, farm country, but he's kind of inept at it. Um, and so then I, whenever I wrote lyrics, I had to write, I had to write kind of inept lyrics, like the inept failures of America, uh, you know. So, 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 so the songs also then have to be manifest within the sensibility of the character. Who is often not me? Uh, I don't know if that answered the question. Probably not. But Jane, you know, was uh, about how strategically you said little means deep. You used I like to say that I attend church regularly. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, in Ripple Beats of Deep, uh, there are 10 stories that uh, track, uh, they're all written in first person, present tense, and it's about a traveling musician, and not, you know, Jerry touched on this a little bit about, and probably similar characters. These guys probably have played on the same bill somewhere, maybe in Cleveland or Dayton, Dayton, Ohio, more, more likely, but, um, um, so it's just, it, it, so in these 10 stories uh, that are, they all take the name from, um, um, it's uh, Make Me a Pallet Down on Your Floor, which is an old country blues standard, but all the songs, all the stories have a subtitle, which references another country blues song, so like, I'm, I open this up, Make Me a Pallet, Shave Them Dry. Now, that one's an old, that didn't, Intentionally open that one, but that's a very dirty song that would make Eminem uh, blush. Uh, that original song, but um, and then um, so here's another uh, "Make Me a Pal of Tender Maidens," which is a uh, 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 English, Scottish, Irish folk song ballad that's traditional. At any rate, um, so that they intersperse between the more traditional third-person past tense stories. Um, but I wanted to touch on uh, about music uh, in, in, in creating these stories. I had this really, I had this, it was a very funny evening one night when um, my wife and I share a office sometimes, not often, um, for various reasons. Not 
the least of which is the fact that when I was writing these stories, I would I was really trying to become very conscious of rhythm in language, and I'm still working on it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still I'm still learning how to do it, but every every line I wanted to have this. So I would so while I was like. I'm in the elevator heading down to meet the band for tonight's show. So she'd be working at her computer, I'd be working at my laptop at my desk. Trying to find out that, that I am a camera thing. And that's where and that's where I was really trying to consciously work on the music thing. And she said, What are you doing? He said, I'm trying to write. <laughs> and, and trying to find that rhythm and going back to Shakespeare and all that stuff and that and, and that that is that's another way that the music really is part of the whole writing experience and and and, and Shakespeare man nobody did it better than Shakespeare at least in terms of a popular uh, um, in terms of a popular songwriter Shakespeare is very good um, of that, of hitting that rhythm of, of words. And, and you see it in all the great lit literature, there's all these rhythms. You see it in Faulkner. I mean, Faulkner is, in, is, is all music. All, I mean, it goes on for a long time until you get to a period, but there is a musicality. There's even musicality in, in, in Hemingway, even in his, in his staccato stuff that he has. There's, there's, there's a rhythm, and I, and I think that is one of the, that's another bridge between the written word and, and, and music. Um, and and, and, and I, I, I love it. I find it really. Are there any kids here? I find it, is there a kid here? I find it fucking brilliant. I love it. I love, I love that bridge of, of, of finding, letting those words become. Stage notes, the actions. 
Say these lines like they're like you're singing a song. Say these lines and don't, don't, I don't want, I don't want no acting, I don't want none of that nonsense. Just say these lines and let those lines do the work. Now the failure if, if for, for the actor, if it doesn't work, that's, that's on the writer, of course. But, but, you know, it's just this. And, and, with, and, with, and with the words do the work, and, and you know, and, 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 uh, and, I, and that's one of the things I love about writing, and I love this whole connection between music and, and, uh, yeah, my fiction writing just is, you know, wouldn't exist without the fact that I've done all these songs before, because I was, I was, I, there, an agent presented the idea of writing a novel to me, and the assignment was, you have these songs uh, that have this particular point of view and this particular narrative voice, which at that time I didn't know that they had a narrative voice, but now I realize that that was right, they do. And it, he said, you could write a novel uh, with that kind of sensibility, then I could probably sell it. So that was the assignment. And to see if he was right, and I was very dubious about this. I was so dubious I ignored his uh, it for many years. I mean, he kept pestering me. Um, and finally, there was one time when my band was playing uh, in New York, and he said, I just set up a meeting with, uh, with an editor um, just, just to see, you know, you can uh, uh, see how it goes. You can see, talk to her, and get to know her. It's like a schmoozing kind of thing. And I went because of the free lunch. Because um, publishing is mostly about taking people out to lunch. I mean, their actual work gets done, but there's a lot of lunch taking going on. And um, so I, I went, and uh, the, what I didn't realize is that he had told her that I had a book. And so she kept wanting to talk about my book. And I'm, you know, just kind of, you know, I, well, Yes, they, after faking it for most of the lunch till I was sure that I had eaten it, uh, that, <laughs> I, I made it, I confessed that I actually didn't have a book. And she said, well, that's okay. A lot of people don't have books, but that's how they get written. And, you know, sometimes the people write the, uh, who've written songs will turn a song into a book. So now here's some advice for anyone who's a writer. The fact that she said that meant that I had a like, quasi-legal, moral, ethical uh, obligation to her when I did write something that she would get first refusal, um, which prevented my book from going into a bidding war. I would, could have gotten a lot more money for it if, I, if she hadn't said that. But I mean, in the, in the end, it worked out just great because she was a great editor, and I'm really glad that uh, that relationship started that way. But basically, what I did after this conversation, so I do, do a list to her, although it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to figure out. Um, I looked at, I'd written hundreds of songs. I looked at all my list of song titles and tried to imagine which one would look best on a book cover. And um, I narrowed it down to three, um, one of which was King Dork, which was at that point uh, very, was 10 years old with that song. Um, or another one called Swallow Everything, um, which would have probably turned into a much different book. And, and another one called Who Needs Happiness I'd Rather Have You, which I still think would be a pretty good uh, book title. Um, and Topic, because I think that is 
I, I still find myself saying that uh, in my in my life, even though it's an adolescent uh, narr narrator that is that is singing that song. So when so then so my song King Dork um, is about a guy who is quietly almost celebrating his uh, social uh, ostracization in a sort of a bitter but good-naturedly bitter way and saying and, and using it as a kind of inverse pitch to a girl to consider, you know, having sex with him, basically, um, uh, which is a lost cause. But so I, what I did uh, when I was starting writing books, I was, so how would this guy, which was the, who is effectively, although I didn't realize until I thought about it, this kind of the narrator of several of the other songs, not all of them, but there is this guy like that, who's about 15 years old, who is the voice of many of my songs that I still continue to write today. And, uh, and I just, the, the thing that made, the, the connection between the, the, the songs and the novel and the thing that made me as a completely inexperienced that I didn't know what the hell I was doing, uh, still managed to write something that was publishable is that I just stumbled into this thing that is the most sought after and hardest to cultivate uh, thing in fiction, which is an authentic voice. Um, it's very hard. I mean, editors, that's what editors always look for. That's what the public responds to. And it's very hard to fake it. And I just didn't know what I was doing. And now I look back on it and I realize all those years of songwriting um, was, and this sounds a little corny, but it was kind of an apprenticeship because I figured out this voice and it happened to be an adolescent voice. So that rock and roll is teenage music. So, um, you know, you're writing about girls in cars and I just, I was kind of didn't write about the cars so much, but the, uh, <coughs> um, so in that way, it's the same thing. And the thing that makes the songs work, other than the fact you gotta have a, you know, the kind of melody, you know, the musical stuff has to work too. But basically, it's the thing that makes a song really work where you remember it past when you just, you know, hear it once in the background is, is, is a, a voice and, a, and a, an idea that grabs you. And uh, so, um, so yeah, like book, books are, a good narrative voice is the same, as a, is a good narrative literary voice is the same as a good narrative uh, songwriting voice uh, in the kind of thing that that I'm uh, before turning it over to questions, Frank, I, I do want to touch upon uh, briefly the uh, the genre of young adults, the YA, the labeling, which I'm all for, and I think fortunately for you, and I think fortunately for the readers in the world, uh, they're becoming more and more um, accepting, embracing, and keen on the sort of notion of what YA is, young adult is. Well, uh, was it always always conceived that your mind is sort of being a, that classification? Or where, where, and when did that come about? That well, I mean, yeah, like position? A, the, the assignment was to write a YA novel, so, oh, yeah. it, okay. so it, it, that, that's, very, that's very simple. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not a, well, like I was sort of getting that before, it's not a crazy thing to go from rock and roll to teen fiction. In fact, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like, when I, when I, uh, when, I, when we were sending out the galleys of King Dork originally, we didn't know it was gonna turn into a thing. Nothing I've ever done turned into a thing. Meaning, like, you know, I've been like doing these records and playing these shows for years and years and years, and no one cared that much. But so this book that, unbeknownst to us, 
wound up, you know, making a splash, uh, which was weird, weird experience. Um, but so one of the things we did was uh, we kind of had these crazy ideas of all of these super famous people we were going to try to force the, the advanced copy of the book on uh, to try to get them to write about it. It actually worked in, in a couple of, of, of great uh, of cases of great results. But one that didn't work was a very famous guy who writes about rock and roll music, Chuck Klosterman. And so his reaction to getting the book was to say, why A? Why the fuck would someone send me Y A? And then I imagine him throwing it in disgust in the in the garbage can. Uh, this uh, and and so I, I that um, I really like his writing, especially I don't know if you read his I can't remember what was his essay on Kiss, which was probably the best piece of rock journalism I've ever read. Um, however, however, you build your career writing about teenage music but you're too snooty to read a teenage novel. I mean, it's like, that. that is really, really bizarre. And there is this feeling that I know very well from being, not only being in a punk rock band, but then in the sub-genre of punk rock that people know as pop punk, which is more to the side than the regular, supposedly serious um, stuff. It's like in, in Europe, they call it kinder punk. And, you know, like, oh, we do not book kinder punk. And um, this is what the Germans say. Um, it's like you're at the kids' table. And th th there, are, there are so many parallels between the pop punk experience and the YA experience. Because you're at the, you're at the kids' table, you are uh, generally kind of sniffed at by the mainstream publishing world. Um, on the other hand, I, not the case with well, no, actually, that's not that's not true because when Green Day became a big thing, suddenly pop punk was the most hugest thing in the entire world. So that kind of happened there too. But in YA now, for many publishers, it's the team titles that are keeping the ship afloat. If you uh, if you uh, uh, subtracted them, you know, Random House, my publisher, which is owned by Bertelsmann, Bertelsmann would be okay. But if you took the YA away, a lot of those publishers would be would be sunk. And so that's kind of funny because you you uh, and, and I will, people will say, people will say things like oh you know it must be so easy to write a YA novel where you don't have to worry about uh, you know the, the uh, character development and it's a simple plot and there's a happy ending and everything I should do one of those because it's easy money right and, you know, it's like you, you, it's it's so it's funny but but the doubt, the upside of that is you sell a lot of books because there is a culture that is, uh, that is burgeoning and, is, and it's kind of cool to be a part of that. Also, there's an energy to it because you're kind of, in a, it's a sort of a punk rock, you're like insurgents in the, um, in the publishing world and that's kind of cool. It, it leads to its own annoying sense of entitlement and self-righteousness among people like me who are participants <laughs> in it and I find that very annoying. I find myself annoying quite often. But there's a uh, there's a there there's an energy to it. It's a good place to be. Um, it's it is contrary to the people who put you on the kids' table and sniff at you. It's a there's a very long and hallowed tradition of teen fiction that is that is uh, basically uh, very important to American culture uh, in every serious way that you can imagine. And even going back to Huckleberry Finn. Um, and then all the other uh, uh, examples of, I mean, some great writing has been done
from as an exploration of the teenage self and uh, the idea that there's something uh, less lesser about that is pretty weird, but I'm super used to it. So, uh, so you just you know, you, it's what I signed up for. Questions from the audience. We have some time for questions. Yeah, in the breakout. I did for my second novel uh, was a, was from it wasn't it was from a point of view of a, of a, a socially disadvantaged if that's how you put it uh, teenage girl who was an occultist and uh, the the um, what that involved is something that was very you might say unfortunate because she was so alienated and isolated from regular. From the main, from regular American culture, that she uh, that she didn't, she wasn't able to recognize the man Led Zeppelin when she heard it, and uh, was and, and, it, and it caused the development of this whole inaccurate mythology based on what she thought the music sounded like. This isn't this involved intensive listening for the four years that I was writing it to the Led Zeppelin catalog, something that even as a as a kid in the 70s when that would have been the thing to do, I was contrarian then and I didn't do it then. Um, you know, you listen to something for four years going constantly, get into the swing of it, but you start to like it. Um, uh, that's what, and that's what happened. And I, all my, my friends who, who are too cool to like Led Zeppelin like I used to be, think that, uh, that that was a real wrong um, move to make. But yes, the answer is yes. Let me riffle that question. Quick answer for music of you. Do you listen to music while you write? Or does that screw you up? I listen to music while I write uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I tend, I don't mind lyrics, when but when I'm editing, I tend to go to instrumentals. Uh, I find adventures to be very good to edit too. And I feel like I don't want other people's words competing with what I'm trying to hear when I'm editing. When I'm writing, I don't care. I'm going to throw, throw in throw in a little bit of sound text. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, words words really distract me. Like you ever have a movie where where there's a there's important dialogue going on, and then there's in the background there's this music where John Huberman can't sing about Jack and Diane. It's like, Jack and Diane. <laughs> so so so. to her father's head and they're talking about whether or not she should shoot him and all of a sudden Jack and Diane are kind of like like getting over in the background and they're like like Lucy trying to sneak on stage at the Cabana Club and that scene <laughs> would have been a lot better with, as an instrumental and uh, the, the words the words are the words get mixed up so yeah I couldn't listen to songs of words on this I would like to respond to that um Quickly. <laughs> well, Jack and Diane is a three-minute song, so um, I don't listen. I don't listen to music anymore um, uh, while I write. But I, I, I would love a scene where somebody's getting shot in a hotel room, and Jack and Diane is on this is on the soundtrack and it's turned into a movie. So, gentlemen, on the side there. Uh, the prose, the short story, the novel, also the music. 
is essential to breathing. It's a moment of breath. That's the best I can do. Well, we're actually out of time. Uh, so uh, join me in welcome, uh, thanking uh, Frank, Jason, and Jerry. Um, their, their books are available all day um, uh, down at the Ivy Bookshop signing station. They'll be glad to sign books for you. But also, Frank, Jason, and Jerry are also reading from their work uh, later in the day. So you'll have opportunities to actually hear their creative writing and also get books signed. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to transition to um, uh, the launch of Class by Night, an anthology of poetry inspired by London Pauling, and that will involve me and Jerry. So stretch your legs, thanks a lot, enjoy the rest of your day. Okay.